Welcome to the Spirited Advocate Podcast, brought to you by the Distilled Spirits Council of the United States, the leading voice for the distilled spirits industry. Now your host, Chris Wonger. Hi, Spirited Advocate uh, podcast listeners and viewers. We have a, a great, great treat today because we have with us Meredith Meyer Rally, who is with Wiggle Whiskey. Uh, and they have such a fascinating story. Uh, Meredith joins us from Pittsburgh, PA, and she is the, also the co-founder of the Whiskey Rebellion Trail, which encompasses 75 distilleries and cultural sites all through the Midland. Meredith is an entrepreneur in residence at Carnegie Mellon University, Tepper School of Business, and she has quite, quite a story and a great deal of energy as well. Meredith, thank you for joining us and tell us a little bit about Wiggle Whiskey and the background, uh, the Whiskey Rebellion and all of the above, if you don't mind. Oh, absolutely. I'm so thrilled to be here with you. So uh, the Whiskey Rebellion is one of my favorite things to talk about. We've, of course, inspired our distillery and us starting up our distillery. So if you'll entertain me, Chris, and you'll just close your eyes for a brief moment, take yourselves back about 200 years. It's the 1790s. America is a very young country. Western Pennsylvania, where our distillery is, is the frontier. So it's a pretty rough place. Not much to do except to drink, of course. The Pittsburgh at the time was settled by largely two different groups, the Germans who were good industrious farmers and the Scots who were good industrious drinkers. And so those two, they brought their skill sets together and they came up with a new product that they called Monongahela Rye Whiskey. The Germans brought rye grain with them from Germany and the Scots, of course, brought stills. And so together they created this whiskey that became the original American whiskey. And they got really good at making this Monongahela rye, so good that people all over the country and then all over the world started to notice, including Alexander Hamilton. Well, Meredith, quick question. At that time, during that time, the bulk of the American whiskey came from uh, Pittsburgh and the Mid-Atlantic region, right? So in large part, uh, it, it's not only the home of where American whiskey to some degree was born, but it comprised of most of the American whiskey uh, consumed in the United States at that time, right? Exactly. And at the height of whiskey making here in Western Pennsylvania, we were actually producing half a barrel of rye whiskey for every man, woman, and child living in America. So the whiskey industry, you know, the American whiskey industry certainly started in Pittsburgh and it remained here for a couple hundred years before Prohibition, uh, which is sort of the part one of American whiskey that we collectively as a nation sort of has become foggy in our minds. But it was um, an essential part of the American tradition uh, for quite some time. And, you know, it played this pivotal role in the Whiskey Rebellion in that Alexander Hamilton sees all of this whiskey coming out of Western Pennsylvania and he's got this young nation that's deep in debt. Looking for revenue, looking, looking for revenue. Exactly. And so he comes up with the first uh, excise tax in American whiskey. And of course, he taxes uh, whiskey, which pisses everybody in Pittsburgh off. I bet. Right. So um, 
are, you know, he sends these tax collectors to town, these federal agents who ask distillers to give them their tax revenue, of course, but also the, for the names and the addresses of other distillers they know. And our guy, the guy we named our distillery for, was a guy named Philip Wiggle. And he punches a tax collector that comes to town. And this being Pittsburgh, you know, we're a simple people, but we're quite passionate. We sure. hear there's a fight and everyone gets very excited. In so that Philip Wiggle uh, took it on with the tax collector and got himself right. some, into some trouble maybe a little bit. That's right. Yep. And that punch sets off four years of protests and riots that come to be known as the Whiskey Rebellion. How that, okay, so uh, George Washington was president at the time. Uh, and in ultimately, I guess it looks like uh, the federal government won the day. But George Washington at the time, Mr. Wiggle was in deep trouble, right? And I think he was close to being maybe sentenced to death. But yeah. ultimately, you know, probably our most famous distiller in the country was none other than uh, the father of our country, George Washington. He pardoned Mr. Wiggles. So could you give us some background? How did that come about uh, as we navigated through the Whiskey Rebellion during those four years? Yeah. So the Whiskey Rebellion culminates um, in July of 1794. And that's when the people of Pittsburgh burned down the house of a gentleman named John Neville. And he is the most powerful politician on the frontier at the time. So at that point, Hamilton goes to his buddy. Washington and says, Hey, George, I need some help here. These people in Pittsburgh are crazy. And they were crazy, right? They were a little bit. Uh, Yes, there were distillers in other parts of the country that were not behaving this badly. Um, So Washington, he agrees that Hamilton needs some help out here on the frontier. He agrees so much that he decides to personally lead 12,000 troops into Western Pennsylvania which are more troops than fought in the Revolutionary War. Well, so, and he was he was he was president at the time, right? Yes. This is the first and only time in American history that a sitting president has led troops against his own people. People. So the Whiskey Rebellion is pretty instrument it's pretty amazing in a number of ways, but that's certainly one of the ways. Um so Ultimately, Washington lets most of the rebels go. He arrests about 200 men in Pittsburgh, uh, or his troops do, when they come to town. He lets most of them go, except for the leaders, the folks that he considers the leaders of the Whiskey Rebellion, including uh, Philip Wiggle. So he sends a dozen of the worst defenders to a place no one should ever have to go, Philadelphia. And those (laughs) guys... (laughs) Are dragged no punt, no <laughs> punt to our friends in Philadelphia, right? So he he sequestered them in Philadelphia. Yes. Yep. Yep. And so they are actually these whiskey rebels are dragged through the streets in shackles on Christmas Eve, and the people of Philadelphia gather in the streets to cheer as these rebels are taken through town. Um, Philip is charged with treason, which is really hard to come back from, you know? Sure, absolutely. It, yeah, he is sentenced to hang for his leadership in the Whiskey Rebellion. 
And you're absolutely right, Chris, that there's only one guy at this point that can save him. And that is George Washington, who pardons Wiggle because there's a movement in Western Pennsylvania to secede from the nation and start a new country called West Sylvania over this whiskey business. So Washington is trying his very hardest to keep this fragile nation uh, put together. Yes, let's Wiggle go. And then, of course, very shortly thereafter, gives up the presidency, retires, right? Decides not to run another term and retires to Mount Vernon where he's convinced to open up a rye whiskey distillery himself. So Pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, Is there any evidence in the history books that George Washington ever met uh, Philip Wiggle or who knows? We don't know. That's too far back. Yeah, it's unclear. Absolutely. But not that we know of. Yeah. So Meredith, uh, right after Prohibition, there were no distilleries in Pennsylvania, right? So they all went away. And you have helped lead with other distillers in Pennsylvania, a renaissance of American whiskey in the great state of Pennsylvania. Could you just tell us about that and uh, the story behind the creation of your great distillery with all the history and so forth affiliated with it, with the, the whiskey rebellion? Yeah, absolutely. So we started working in 2010 on our distillery, on Wiggle Whiskey Distillery. And, you know, at the time, there were no whiskey distilleries in Pennsylvania. So we had gone from a state of having, you know, we had a distillery for every 9,000 people <laughs> in our state at the height Pre, of pre-prohibition, pre-prohibition, exactly, to a state with zero <laughs> whiskey producers in existence. Just a tremendous and precipitous decline that hit with prohibition that we had never, ever recovered from which meant that we were all living in the most boring, uh, really, spirits landscape uh, that we had known as a country. So we really wanted to bring back this regional taste of place to whiskey and to bring back our own uh, regional tradition in whiskey making. Uh, So we worked, you're absolutely right, we worked with um, a couple of other uh, startup producers as well, other distilleries. Philly Distilling, um, uh, and um, Dad's Hat as well. And we worked together to change a state law so that we could produce and sell our spirits directly to consumers in Pennsylvania. We lobbied for two years and were successful in that effort and opened our distillery um, pretty much on the day we were allowed to do so with the new legislation. So we've been operating under this model now for more than a, for a decade now, um, where we invite people into our sites, consumers into our sites um, across Western Pennsylvania and dole out some edutainment and some storytelling and lots of tastes. uh, And then they are able to purchase products directly from us, which was a reality that was illegal um, just a decade ago. Meredith, when did you come up with the idea of, you know, did you, did you know about Philip Wiggle? Uh, it sounds like you're a little bit of a history buff, right? So, uh, so you, you really committed in 2010 to get going on this idea. You had to lobby, you probably had to spend a lot of time in Harrisburg as well, right? 
probably at the time you maybe not had any idea how complex and challenging lobbying is. Uh, the state of Pennsylvania, you know, uh, beverage alcohol laws and so forth. So, I mean, you had to uh, obtain a lot of different disciplines and execute on a lot of different activities uh, to bring the story ultimately to fruition. But first and foremost, how did it, when did you know about Philip Wiggle? Well, we actually didn't know about Philip Wiggle until we were pretty deep into the research, until we had really committed to bring, doing this whiskey distillery. Um, but well before that, so this is, you know, a family enterprise. Uh, my husband, Alex Grelly, is also my partner in business um, and in this distillery. And we met way back. He's a Texan like you, but we met in Chicago. Yeah. We both went to the University of Chicago. and we both had this love for food and drink and flavor right from the start. So our first date was in a dorm room and <laughs> nice, nice. And by the way, uh, check out uh, wiggle whiskey Instagram because you're, you have a beautiful family and oh. a beautiful young daughter and so forth. So everybody check it out. So. <laughs> um. But we, you know, he, instead of pulling out like a can of beer, like a college student should, he made me this um, beautiful martini actually using blue coat gin. And we, you know, I, I didn't know wow. what to do the guy, but wow. we sort you of- must have been impressed, right? I'm super <laughs> impressed. What 20 year old, or sorry, 21 year old. 21. 21 year old. Yes. Has martini glasses in their dorm room. Um, but so, you know, then I went to cooking school in Paris and he went to law school and while he was in law school, he did, you know, he studied actually the craft beer industry and the regulatory structure of that. Um, and I, somehow, you know, we knew we wanted to do our own thing and we wanted to do something in food and drink. And we loved the innovation and the creativity that was happening in craft beverages and, you know, once we finally sort of landed in Pittsburgh, we started uncovering the regional history in Pittsburgh. And we knew at that point that there was no way we could do anything other than whiskey. It's amazing. You know, back in, uh, I did some research and one of my team members helped me. Probably in 2005, 2006, there were maybe 60 distilleries in the United States. And now there's over 2,000, and uh, Wiggle Whiskey is part of the rejuvenation and bringing forward American history and the finest of essences. And uh, congratulations to you! And y'all are living out your life's dream, right? Yeah. And who would have thought? I know it's incredible, and I think it's you know it's wonderful for the industry and for consumers of spirits and for flavor lovers to have this extraordinary variety and all of these people who are so committed to bringing new ideas and, you know, flavors to the market. Absolutely. Uh, I think in Pennsylvania, there may, there, there's a good group of distillers in Pennsylvania now. And as we're starting to look forward beyond the pandemic and all the challenges associated with the pandemic, 
How did you grapple with that? Because I'm sure in the early days of the pandemic from March through the summertime, you had to shut down the distillery for visitors. So that must have been a very anxious, uh, tough time, right? Uh, you were able to, I think you were able to ship in interstate within Pennsylvania, if I had that right. But it, it was tough because probably people visiting the distillery and feeling and tasting the product and meeting you and your husband and everybody at the distillery, that must have been tough, right? Are you feeling good about the future now as we're looking beyond the pandemic? Yeah, we had, it was a remarkable year. And in some ways, really, I think that a lot of the things we had built over the past decade, we, without realizing it, had put us in good stead for, uh, to get through this past year. So just to give you a little lay of our land, we have um, between Wiggle and our sister company, Threadbare Cider and Mead, we have seven sites that operate in Western Pennsylvania. That includes three restaurants. Um, we are uh, we have sites at Pittsburgh International Airport, at a regional mall in downtown Pittsburgh, as well as a number of other neighborhoods. Um, and so, you know, the on-site experience is really critical to us. Um, our distillery, we had just finished a two-year expansion project, which we is a beautiful space. We have a mini museum, a full kitchen, two new additional bars in our space. And we opened that uh, expanded space 48 hours before the first shutdown. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> so it, we turned our new beautiful new space full of marble tables and gorgeous tile and all of this big investment, big investment into a shipping and fulfillment center, because Chris, you're absolutely right. We can ship to Pennsylvania residents. And that was another effort that we, you know, in Pennsylvania pushed through uh, from a lobbying perspective, really about five or so years ago, but, and we had been trying to convince consumers to shop our website um, for years without success because you know, there was still this big barrier in, in consumers' minds around ordering uh, spirits online. But wow, did this pandemic change that. Um, and all of a sudden, we became um, a shipping facility really overnight. And, you know, we had 175 team members before the pandemic, um, right when the pandemic hit. And we said, we will keep everyone that wants to keep working. And um, all of those folks, you know, became. Uh, packers and shippers <laughs> pretty much overnight. That's amazing. I mean, that's a testament to the entrepreneurial spirit. And look how the, the beverage alcohol marketplace has changed. I mean, despite all the significant challenges with the pandemic and, you know, the lives laws lost and all of the above, uh, it has changed the world to some degree uh, where it's going to maybe create opportunities for wh wiggle whiskey going forward, right? Because it's it potentially broadens your consumer base, right? Yeah, I think that's true. I I absolutely think that's true. I also think you know it gave us a year to really focus on some internal structures and building resilience internally. And you know our um, leaders now within the company are so you know, they've sort of come out of this forged with new strength and um, like we've really never seen before. And 
So we feel very optimistic about our future and are actually, you know, when, you know, over the past decade, we've gotten through a number of things and we've also had some really nice recognition. And when we, when, you know, certainly when Alex and I look back over the past 10 years, it's not the recognition stuff that keeps us motivated. It's really the, Hey, we got through that heck of a thing. We are, we are ready for the next, <laughs> whatever comes out of we are ready. Well, I'll tell everybody this. So I went on y'all's Instagram site last night, uh, checking it out. And there is a sweet onion hamburger posted on 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 the web on the Instagram, and my goodness, uh, it looks good. <laughs> so uh, I hope to be coming to Pittsburgh soon, and not only trying the whiskey for sure, uh, and having a sip sip there, but uh, also trying the food too, because that's a big component of what you do, right? Yeah, it yeah, and you know that was. Um, that's relatively new for us. When we first started the distillery 10 years ago, there wasn't a lot of consumer expectation around what a visitor experience would be to a distillery. So we really focused our efforts on storytelling, on spirit education, on sampling, on cocktails. But now a decade later, the expectation has of course evolved and we knew that we really needed to evolve with it. And so we have an extraordinary chef who builds beautiful food that incorporates our spirits into it. And it's just one more way for guests to really have um, a full, wonderful experience at our sites. Meredith, this is a selfish question, but is that hamburger as good as it looks? It has to be, right? <laughs> the, the hamburgers are phenomenal. Yes. I believe it. I believe it. Tell us about the uh, the American whiskey, uh, the the American uh, Rebellion Whiskey Trail that you help lead as well. Yeah. So the Whiskey Rebellion Trail is um, an effort that um, I started thinking through about five years ago, um, and it took a couple of years to build this amazing quorum of support. We have. 12 destination marketing organizations, including Visit Pittsburgh, Visit Philadelphia, Visit Baltimore, um, Destination DC, that are all supporters of the trail. Um, and we've recruited 75 distilleries and cultural institutions, including the Museum of the American Revolution, Mount Vernon, the Heinz History Center, um, all throughout the Mid-Atlantic to help create uh visitor passes that allow guests to go on the Whiskey Rebellion Trail website, grab a pass for either a specific city or region, or grab a pass that gets them access to distilleries and cultural sites across the Mid-Atlantic that they can use over the course of a year. Um, and so the goal of the trail, of course, was to continue to build and tell the story of the part one of American Whiskey, this first 200 years of pre-prohibition American whiskey, as well as the current uh, resurgence of craft whiskey, which the Mid-Atlantic is really um, doing so much in. Absolutely. Uh, it's an exciting time. How does legislation like the Craft Beverage Modernization Tax Reform Act, uh, I know you certainly have full appreciation of the importance of engaging with gov government, educating them, and so forth. Legislation like the craft beverage bill, 
Has that been a godsend for your business, uh, particularly navigating through the pandemic? Absolutely critical. I can't overstate how important it has been for us. We, when it first was enacted, we were um, able to hire three distillers, three production. So th- I think the thing that's so um, fascinating about craft spirits um, and craft spirit businesses like ours, where you know you have an enterprise that's producing all of this. In our case, you know, whiskey as well as a variety of different spirits, but whiskey that needs to be aged is there. It's just incredibly capital intensive in a very unique way to other industries. And so really every dollar (laughs) that that company produces for the first decade of its life is going right back into employment or buying ingredients or in some other way into the business. So um, any of those dollars coming back in, you know, are activated right away. And allows you to hire people like the three great folks that you were able to hire when we were able to make the craft beverage permanent, right? Absolutely. So we, you know, in that, those are for us, those are jobs that are, of course, manufacturing jobs because they are production jobs in the distillery. And that means they are living wage jobs with a 401k retirement, um, full health insurance, all of those goodies that we we all understand are great American jobs. uh, but they also support this broader, you know, storytelling, regional identity, agriculture, because we are the largest purchaser of organic grain in the, you know, mid-Atlantic yeah. region. Um, so it has all of these impacts on our economy. Um, and it's, it's a very efficient way to get those dollars. <laughs> into Absolutely. Our what do you see the opportunities for craft distillers going forward? Of course, you know, uh, uh, they're, they're, the pandemic has accelerated this thinking about direct-to-consumer shipping and so forth. And of course, we at Discus and all of our member companies recognize the strength and the importance of the three-tier system. But do you see uh, direct-to-consumer shipping uh, beyond the state of Pennsylvania as an opportunity for growth for your distillery? And as a compliment uh, to the great three-tier system that we all appreciate and recognize yeah. as, it, as being important? Yes. And, you know, the the three-tier system is an absolutely important and critical infrastructure in the state of Pennsylvania, of course, owns our liquor stores in Pennsylvania, and they've been an incredible partner and are a very important customer to us. Um, what we've seen with the pandemic is that there is a consumer desire for direct shipment. Um, and we've been able to successfully and safely do that all year long, which has been um, a true testament to, I think, our consumers and the team that's been doing that. Um, and yes, absolutely. I think they're, you know, going forward, um, treating craft spirits like um, wineries. Someone can come from Texas or DC and visit our distillery, take our tour, and then say, you know what, I don't want to take this bottle on the plane with me back to Texas, but I'd love to ship it back to my house so that it's there when I get home. That's a piece to our industry that's absolutely missing and that we know wineries have relied on for decades now. 
untapped, untapped. And Meredith, y'all do all the diligence to make sure that the product, particularly right now in Pennsylvania, is being shipped to a legal, legal purpose age consumer and so forth, right? So you work with the shipping companies because that's always the key and making sure, of course, the taxes are paid as well, right? We don't want another whiskey rebellion coming up again, right? But all of those components can be a part of a strong direct-to-consumer shipping platform that which could ultimately be a strong complement to the three-tier system, right? Absolutely, 100%. Okay, so now we're, we're going to bring it down. Uh, do y'all export yet or not yet? Are you still focused on the U.S. market or are you starting to export outside of the country? We actually sell everything we can produce right now in the 15 states that we're distributed in. Terrific. And hopefully soon it'll be all 50 states. And when we take care of the uh, Paris on American whiskey by our friends with the EU, which hopefully there's going to be, there's been some great building blocks to get ahead of that. Hopefully uh, consumers in Europe, in the UK, in Asia, and Australia are going to get to experience wiggle whiskey as well. We certainly get those requests, but yeah, (laughs) you're getting those requests now already. Oh, we've been getting them for years, actually. Wow. Uh, I just got a request uh, this morning from a retailer in uh, Japan that wants to carry our spirits. And currently, you know, we produce seven days a week from 430 in the morning till, um, well, you know, past 10 o'clock at night. We have 10 whiskey makers working their tails off. but uh, right now, we've, we're just continuing to sell out. In push our, away, in push our, away. Yeah. Uh, well, be aware of the Discus is a market access program. So whenever you're ready, and we'll get that up and running again, we work with the U.S. Department of Agriculture, uh, where they provide great funding to allow uh, great distilleries like yours to go overseas and help promote uh, Wiggle Whiskey in markets all around the world. But so for you and Alex, I mean, it's an awesome story that your first date in the dorm room, he pulled <laughs> up martini glass. If you and Alex uh, and your daughter uh, could be anywhere in the world, just be bewitched, right? Uh, twinkle your nose and y'all be anywhere in the world to have a wiggle whiskey. Where would that be? Um, you know, we probably... Uh, Paris, because my daughter has been just pushing to go to Paris for for several years, and we've been we keep putting it off and saying, "Yep, yep, yep, we'll get there, we'll get there." So to make her wish come true, it would be um, it would be Paris. Yeah, can't go wrong with that, Meredith. I was there about a week ago. I had a chance to go over there, working on the tariffs and, and meeting with our friends with Pernod Ricard and. Remy and Moed Hennessy, and I got to present at the French Federation of uh, uh, Wine and Spirits Producers in Paris, and it was a wonderful trip. The weather was glorious, and uh, Paris is such a beautiful city, so hopefully, hopefully y'all will get to do that, uh, do that soon, and let me just, let me just say this as we close. Uh, I am coming, and I hope you'll allow me to come visit. I am coming to Pittsburgh this summer. 
I'm gonna, I'm gonna work with my team and I wanna come visit the distillery in many of the distilleries in Pennsylvania and would love uh, to see you and Alex and visit the distillery. I hope the visits to the distillery are coming. I'm gonna come and get a piece of that hamburger, uh, the sweet onion hamburger as well. And I can't wait to be there. And really on behalf of the Distilled Spirits Council, uh, and all of us in the industry, thank you for what you do and bring in the history, uh, the whiskey of uh, Rebellion to Light, really bringing uh, Philip Wiggle in the history, in his role in American history to light, and ultimately George Washington doing the right thing in pardoning him as well. So on behalf of Discus, great cheers to you and to Alex and everything that you do. And thank you for being with us. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Meredith. Cheers. The Spirited Advocate podcast was brought to you by the Distilled Spirits Council of the United States. If you'd like to be a guest speaker on the show or send us topic suggestions to cover, please contact us at podcast at distilledspirits.org. And please like and share these episodes. Your support is very appreciated.